Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 3 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread, and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome to another Common Ground Unity Podcast. I'm Kevin Witham, and we're so glad to have you back with us for another conversation about spiritual matters, our walk with Christ, and our walk together with Christ. This is a podcast that is designed to create conversations and to have dialogue with uh, Christians and to bring, uh, or or to maintain, I should say, that unity of the Spirit that God has called us to in Scripture, and to build those bridges, and to to introduce uh, folks in the various streams of the restoration movement to one another uh, and to learn from one another and and to be more united in Christ. So we've got a great guest that we're going to introduce in just a couple of moments. But first, I want to take a moment and introduce uh, my co-host today. Um, Tina Bruner is unable to be with us today. And so standing in is Catherine Pimentel. And Catherine is a dear friend of mine. She uh, and I work together in ministry out in Austin, Texas, at the Westover Hills Church, where she serves uh, as youth and family minister, along with her husband, Christian. They've been in ministry together throughout their married life. They're a great team that uh, ministers so well to young people and has so much experience. So I am just thrilled to have you co-hosting with me today, Catherine. Welcome from Austin, Texas. Thank you so much. That was very Thanks. kind. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here with us. Um, we're going to take just a couple of moments. Tell us a little bit about what's coming up, Catherine, if you will. So in the following two episodes, which are episodes 100 and 101, we're going to celebrate the crossing of the 100 episode mark. And Kevin, Tina, Megan, and John are going to share some fun coffee talk and take a look back at um, some of the great conversations that they've had. So those will be really good episodes coming up. Those are going to be a lot of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, Megan Rawlings will be back with us. Uh, Just some some fun conversation there and some excerpts from uh, some of our previous conversations. Also want to mention to you that if you would like to help support Common Grounds Unity financially, we've got a lot happening, a lot going on. In addition to this podcast, uh, you can look in the show notes and find ways to support Common Grounds Unity. Uh, So look for those opportunities. We'd love for you to share in this work with us. By the time this episode is uh, put out there, we hope to have our subscription channel up and running. We're excited about developing additional content, one of which is the Second Cup, Conversations After the Podcast. And we're excited about offering additional conversation with our guests, developing some new video and written content and some special events and classes. So we're going to keep you posted uh, through our newsletter, through the website, and through our Facebook group. If you're not on that Facebook group, jump on the Facebook group. Well, I want to take a few moments and introduce our guest today. We're excited to have back with us Casey Tigret. He is a good friend to Common Ground Unity. He was a guest on episode 76, 
and 77 in our series on spiritual formation. And he served as a co-host uh, at one time when we interviewed Alan Fadling on episodes 80 and 81. You might want to go back on our platform and look for those episodes. Casey is a speaker and the Director of Spiritual Formation or Spiritual Direction Practice for Soul Care, which helps church and nonprofit leaders restore health to their souls. He's the author of Becoming Curious, and As I Recall, and is the host of the Otherwise podcast. Tigret holds an MDiv and a DMIN in Spiritual Formation from Lincoln Christian University. His newest book has an intriguing title, The Gift of Restlessness, a Spirituality for Unsettled Seasons. It's published by Broadleaf Books. You can order um, The Gift of Restlessness by Casey Tigret on Amazon. He didn't tell us to say that, but we sure hope you'll pick up a copy and be blessed by what Casey has put together. So Casey, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you back with us. Always, always a joy to be with you all. Thank you so much for the invite. Hey, Casey, we haven't met. This is like our first time to meet. If this counts. I know. Yes. It's good to meet Hello. you. It's an honor. You as well. Oh, gosh. Likewise. This topic of restlessness really resonates with me. And so I'm really excited to get to hear what you have to say about it. I wanted you to maybe give us a big picture view of the gift of restlessness, your book coming out, and maybe share with us what, what compelled you to write the book. Yeah. It's, it's probably easier to talk about what brought the book to life than the big picture, but um, uh, what I like to do is say that anytime you see a book, it represents way more than uh, what it seems. It always is a person's life coming together. And so this, this book actually existed for quite some time before it became something that was going to be out and published in the world. Um, I had written it the most of it uh, a long time ago, but um, set it aside for a bit. And only after 2020 and 2021 did I come back to it with some new energy because we had some new things. Um, I don't know if you know this, but 2020 was kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> a lot of things happened. And uh, not only in the universal of all of our experiences, but in the particular of my own family and work. And so those stories and those experiences brought me back to this idea of restlessness. That and just people, people that I was either in pastoral leadership with or were part of our church or that I was serving as a spiritual director, there was this theme that kept coming up. And so that's what brought me to the point of writing the book. And also writing it was just a way of trying to get my head around what I was, what I was thinking and what actually was happening. And so the basic premise of the book is that restlessness is one of the most common things any of us experience. As a human being living in skin with spirit, we we are constantly at the point of an irritated, unsettled space where we feel like we're just stuck in the present tense. Like we can't go back to the way things used to be, but we definitely can't move forward and we don't even know what it looks like. And so our response to that is typically to fight it or to flee it and self-medicate and do all of those things that we don't have to pay attention or just flop and let it take us down into cynicism and despair. And yet in Jesus and in the story of Christian spirituality, there's, there's a different way. And there's another way that I see for us to deal, not to deal with, but to experience restlessness and in a way that it could actually be a gift to us. So that's, that's kind of a big picture look 
at why the book is here and and where we start in that discussion. Well, I appreciate so, Cassie, that. I, I like, sorry, go ahead, Kevin. No, you go ahead, Catherine. Well, I was going to follow up and say, I love that you said that God planted the seed for this idea before the pandemic. And then it, it came to fruition in the middle of that when you were experiencing that restlessness. So I really appreciate that the way that God used that in you. That's very, very mm. cool. Yeah. So Casey, when you're, when you're reading scripture, how do you see this concept of restlessness show up there in God's word? How do you experience it in your own life? How do you see it in others' lives? Yeah. Well, scripture, it always seems to be the, it's the arc of people's development and growth. Um, when you take any one character, uh, that's what I, I think, if anything, there are a lot of things to love about the wisdom of scripture, but the one is that so much of it is story, that so much of it is narrative. And you get to see, at least from the perspective of the storytellers, how a person's life is shaped. And every single person of significance in the scriptures encounters a point where they cannot go back and they have to move forward, but they have no idea what forward looks like. Uh, Moses on uh, in the wilderness w- w- tending to sheep, knowing that his biological family doesn't want him and his adopted family think he is hunting him down for murder. Uh, he can't go back the same way, but what does the future look like? Is he just going to be a wandering Midianite shepherd or what happens next? And what do you do with that moment? The story that I start with in the book is Jesus in the wilderness. And just with that significant little phrase where it says, after Jesus' baptism, he was led into the wilderness. I don't know how many times I've read that, but it finally dawned on me like, oh, so this wasn't his idea. Like he was led into the wilderness because none of us want to go into wilderness. Uh, All the things that are comforting and familiar, all the things that we use to make sense of the world are gone in the wilderness. And so Jesus enters into the restlessness of a place that Mark calls being between the wild beasts and the angels, uh, which is just this powerful, powerful thing. I see it show up in my own life. A lot of times there's a grade, there's a, there's, I would say there's some minor level restlessness where it's just every six weeks to six months, I feel like I need to change something. Um, Usually I'll try to grow some facial hair and I, it's terrible. It's just, it's, a, it's a failure from the beginning. And my wife will look at me and go, what are you, what are you doing? What is this? And, uh, oh, it's just, a, it's just changing up something or I'll change a routine or a habit or I'll, a devotional practice or what I'm listening to in the car. Oh, I'll listen to a new podcast. So there's that minor level. Everything needs to change that grows to sort of the major mid-major level of maybe I need to change the work that I'm doing. Maybe I need to look for a new job. And, and I was talking to someone the other day who is in pastoral ministry and he says, this happens to him and he'll just go out and peruse all the job sites and see what's out there. Who's hiring? Who's looking for somebody? And uh, it's usually just a way of, of, I don't know, quenching that, that thirst to think about change. And then there's the, I've seen people do the major level changes where they walk away from churches or relationships or they make massive decisions uh, just because this restlessness is so deep within them. Uh, So I see it come out in decision-making in other people. I see it come out in the way people articulate their, their faith. I see it come out in the particular frustrations that they express. Um, 
So there's a lot of different ways that I see that in other people as well. You did a really good job of explaining the concept of restlessness in a way that I hadn't really understood it before. But do you mind um, helping us get like a deeper understanding of these times of restlessness? Do you see them as sort of an in-between waiting period or is it a slow passageway to something else? Um, Mm -hmm. Could you maybe give us a little bit of a deeper understanding of that? Sure. I, I'm tempted to just answer your question and go, yeah, it's all that. It all, <laughs> it's all, it's of, all it. of those yes. things. <laughs> I, I think the particular places of restlessness that I've experienced and that I've seen in others are, are times where I borrowed the old phrase from bartenders who say, you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Um, and I twisted that a little bit to say, you can't go back to the way things used to be before blank before this event or before you experienced whatever you experienced. But you also know that you can't move forward into the future because it's either not available or you don't know how to move into that place. And so we get fastened into this present tense moment where we become, we become aware of all sorts of realities that we hadn't, we hadn't had to pay attention to. Uh, For most of us, when things are great, we're not really paying attention to growth edges, uh, maybe a few, but, but these are the moments where all of our humanity, our true self, who we really are, uh, spirit points us to them. <laughs> uh, you're not, you're here. So let's talk about what here means. And one of the ways that I, I started to see that fleshed out was, uh, in the Lord's prayer. And I love the Lord's prayer, but it's also an interesting prayer because there's stuff Jesus didn't teach them to pray for. Um, so there, it's a very specifically, it's a very specifically written and constructed prayer. And I think the reason it, I believe, and I could be wrong, one of the reasons it's like that is because it's answering the most basic human questions. So each line of the Lord's prayer seems to me to be an answer or a way of answering those most human, most restless questions. Where do I belong? Do I have a purpose? Uh, can I, can my world be mended? Is there enough for me of whatever? Um, can I be safe? Can I be protected? And when I'm not, can I be rescued? It feels like those questions are central. And those are the questions we're forced to deal with when we're in seasons of, of restlessness, where we know we can't go back, but we can't go forward either. And so Jesus maps for us a way of just abiding in the middle of that just remaining in between what Mark calls the wild beasts and the angels. They're in the wilderness, confronted with reality. We are just, we are, we are given the opportunity to just wait. And uh, in no way am I saying that's easy um, or comfortable. (laughs) So the outcome of the book is not, and here's how we're going to make all this better. It's more about how do we form the resilience to be able to stay here because here, that feeling of stuckness, that's actually where the gift, that's actually where the gift really is. Casey, uh, give us some practical ideas and, and thoughts about how we kind of navigate these periods of restlessness in our life. And how do we find God in the center of this? And talk, talk a little bit to that, if you will. Yeah. Well, the the most practical thing, the very first practical thing that I think matters immensely is giving us permission 
to know that restlessness is not an obstacle and is not, depending on your background, you could either see it as an obstacle. Some people could even see it as a sin. Uh, I, there's the quote from St. Augustine or Augustine or however people like to say it, that says, Oh Lord, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And I think that I've heard that quote used with some finality, like, and then it's over. Uh, but I don't see that in the life of Augustine. I don't see that solving his restlessness. And I definitely, even in some of the heroes of faith, I don't see that being immediately and forever done away with. So what one of the first practical things we can do is make peace with the idea that our restlessness may actually be a good thing. And whether, however that works, whether that's having someone in our life that helps us remember that, uh, I do think the journey of restlessness is one that is meant to be accompanied. Um, so whether that's by a community of people or a, a spiritual director, um, I, I believe in spiritual direction because I am one, but also because I've I've really found the value of that for someone to be there to help point out where God is active, even in the midst of restlessness. And the second part of that would be to say, and God is actually present. Uh, there isn't wilderness feels like abandonment, but I think it's those times when God is closest to us is when we feel the least close. Uh, because it's more necessary. And restlessness feels like one of those spaces where where God is very much close to us. The other practical piece would be the reason I, I structured the book the way that I did was to find the key question. What is the key question for you in the middle of this restless time? Um, for a lot of ministry, you know, pastoral ministry people after uh, the pandemic, as I sat with them and talked with them, the idea of, do I stay in this was the big question. And underneath that was the question of what is my purpose? And they have deep stories. My, you know, my story was, I, I felt like God called me to pastoral ministry when I was a senior in high school. So in 1996, I was in Phoenix, Arizona for a youth conference and it was 121 degrees. I remember that because we all got t-shirts. It says I survived 121 degrees. Um, <laughs> And I felt very specifically like that God was inviting me to pastoral ministry, but it was very narrow. It was senior pastor, this, these kind of churches, this tradition of churches in Southern West Virginia. And I think that that is sometimes what we come away with when it comes to vocation is this very narrow path. Well, I'm a part-time associate pastor at a independent Christian church in the suburbs of Chicago. So either I'm a massive <laughs> sinner or I figured out uh, a new way to envision what my purpose and my calling was. And so finding out which question is animating the restlessness. Um, I also spend a lot of time with people who are who are in stages of faith deconstruction and reconstruction. And I know that word carries a ton of baggage. Uh, but however we might parse it, it's it's part of growth um, is being able to attach and detach from different faith commitments and rebuild as we go. Um, so the question might be, am I leaving capital F faith, like the faith, or am I leaving lowercase f faith, like a version or a, a practice? Uh, because they're two very different questions. So practically moving with someone Acknowledging that restlessness is really part of our journey, our growth, and then also trying to identify 
what are the what are the questions that are really strong for me in this time? You've mentioned a couple of different times the pandemic um, having an effect on you and your your own restlessness, and then also other ministers, which I can attest to. I definitely resonate with that. Um, so, can you actually talk about your own restlessness during the pandemic? What, like, why was that a a key time for you to really start to understand restlessness and how it was impacting you? Yeah. Well, several things happened. Um, obviously, the global piece. Uh, my having a family member who is severely immunocompromised. Uh, you see, you see something like a global pandemic through different lenses. If one of your family members, someone sneezes with COVID twenty miles away from them, and they it might cost them their life. I, I'm being exaggerating there, but you at the at the beginning of it all, that's that's how we had to think. And so the level of care that we were using and and using information that we had at the time, obviously, science is about learning and growth, and so. Uh, sometimes that's seen as being wrong. I just see it as maturity. Uh, so there was that that bigger universal piece, but on the the practical piece, uh, there were two major things that happened during 2020 and 21. One was a pretty significant change in um, our family due to a mental health crisis, and um, I talk about this in the in the one of the first chapters of the book. My daughter had went through some significant depression and anxiety, had to be hospitalized. And as a parent, you can't, you can't go back. You can't sit there in that lobby, uh, fingering the clipboard, trying to fill out paperwork while in the corner they have property brothers on and you can't like the juxtaposition of like, I don't care about your subway tile, frankly, here's what, here's what I'm in the middle of, and knowing that I couldn't go back and and undo whatever had caused what she was going through, but not knowing what the future looked like. Uh, that is, I'm were really sorry. Enormous, thank you. Yeah. So those were enormously challenging times during the pandemic, and and I feel like there's so many stories. It was a battle uh, when we were when we were working on the book in the editing phase. I didn't want this to be a pandemic book, and yet uh, any of our stories moving forward, we're, we're that's going to be in the background. Uh, that's a backdrop, and it's a backdrop to spiritual formation stories. Um, I don't think we quite know yet the impact on uh, spiritual formation and transformation that that couple year period had. Uh, we'll probably discover it. Uh, and and to the point where leaders also are, like we mentioned, uh, I also was thinking that through. Um, how do I best serve people coming out of this time? And I can't go back and think about my vocation the same way uh, going forward. So so those were some big changes that happened. Other than the just the general weirdness of it, uh, <laughs> starting in March and thinking, oh, you know, by Easter, we'll all be back. And uh, I told my wife, I said, you can almost you can almost map it onto what shows were popular on streaming. Because at the beginning of the pandemic, it was Tiger King and the absurdity of all of that. And just everybody was laughing. Oh, isn't this a weird time, weird time? 
And then by the time all the lockdowns were ending and we were, it was Ted Lasso because we were all like, we just need a little bit of hope. We just need some kindness. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, <laughs> and so if you map, you map the arc of that. It, t- it could tell the entire story of how did we get from Tiger King to Ted Lasso? Uh, we're not the same. And uh, I think there's some restlessness there too. Hey, everybody, we'll be right back with the rest of this episode. We want to take a moment to thank Mission Alive and Central Christian College of the Bible for sponsoring this episode. Mission Alive equips leaders to start innovative communities of faith focused on transforming marginal communities. They provide church planning training, apprenticeships, consulting, and discipleship cohorts, among other resources. They can also train you to be a nationally accredited coach through Catalyze Coach Training. This 28-week credential will equip you to impact and transform your church organization leadership and ministry. Learn how God can transform your life and ministry by going to missionalive.org. That's missionalive.org or emailing them at contact at missionalive.org. And Central Christian College of the Bible has low-cost, innovative, and flexible master's programs in ministry leadership and preaching that they want you to know about. These two-year programs are designed to be one-third online, one-third on campus, and one-third supervised ministry by an expert in your interest area. The mentoring courses can offer credit in your local ministry. Graduates like Dr. Don Mahardy and Jonathan Curtis are impacting the kingdom in deeper, more meaningful ways because of their education at CCCB. So find out more at cccb.edu front slash graduate. That's cccb.edu front slash graduate. How was the book, you know, as you think about what you've been through and some of the things you just described, um, was, was writing the book a bit therapeutic and formational for you as an individual and uh, kind of to use the words of John Wesley, how was it with your soul today? And then, you know, after that, what, what would, what would you hope for a reader of this book to gain? How will it help somebody having come through this to, to really be blessed? Because, you know, authors don't write books unless they think this is going to help in some way with something, a book of this nature. Yeah. I, I think, I think it, it, it could, I could call it therapeutic in a few different ways. Uh, one of them is, uh, like I said at the beginning, sometimes you don't really know what you're thinking until you put it on the page, until it comes out of you. Um, I've always had a commitment to writing as, whether it's journaling or, uh, you know, for a long, long time I was in a preaching role. And so writing a sermon or writing a blog post. There's always something about that that's transformative because you have to give you have to give words to what you're saying. Um, it's a little easier when it's digital because you can easily just control alt delete and get rid of it. Um, when it's print, when it's paper and pen, um, that's when you that's when it's real. Like if you're willing to write something down, my and you know, I haven't written anything down other than a grocery list for years. But when you write something in ink, it's it's real. Uh, so just being able to bring some of the things from the depths of my experience out was, was helpful. Um, the, it, there were peaks and valleys though. I mean, there were times when it was really difficult to talk about mainly because there was some of it that I still didn't quite understand 
I was still living in the middle of it. The other part was about halfway through the editing process. So this was after the bulk of the initial writing was done. Uh, my wife and I both had COVID and I got the brain fog. And so I'm, I'm trying to work through this manuscript and I'm trying to put my brain together back together at the same time. And so it was both emotional and physical and, uh, there was a deadline and people were waiting for what was going on. Uh, so that point was not therapeutic. That was, I needed therapeutic stuff after that actually to try and recover from, uh, from that process. But I think some of it was, uh, was very therapeutic and some of it was good because I was able to, what I have wanted to do in every book that I've written is try and create an intersection between formation and some very uh, specific and very grounded human experiences. So to talk about things like curiosity and things like memory and restlessness as they connect with spiritual formation, for me, has always been a passion. And so uh, being able to do that was, was for me to be able to live in a bit of a sweet spot too, uh, to know that that was what was happening with this book. As far as what I'd love to see people have, I think first and foremost, it's just permission. Permission to take their restlessness and not fear it, not see it as an enemy, um, not see it as dangerous, but to see it as an opportunity for uh, to meet God uh, at that level ground where you're just stuck. Um, because the danger would be just to ignore it or to try and medicate past it and self-medicate past it. Uh, instead of just embracing it as this is something that is that is here. And I think from the standpoint of this podcast being about unity, if anything unifies us as created beings in God's image, it's that it doesn't matter what you believe about baptism, everyone's restless. <laughs> you know, if I can use a very specific theological term, it doesn't matter where you stand on that. Uh, all of us have this same shared experience. And so if we can admit to that, we can also lean into each other differently uh, as we go through it together. Casey, just sitting here as a minister, thinking about my own restlessness and then thinking about the people I'm around, um, what would you say to them should be their go-to move if they're in the middle of the restlessness right now? What would you do? That's a great question. I think, I think the first thing I would invite them to do is not to panic it's very it's very easy, especially for leaders, especially for people who have a teaching role. Uh, when we feel unsteady, um, not panicking is really helpful, and be that's part of the permission idea that I think is there is allow giving us the space to say this restlessness that I feel is actually a normal thing, and it's part of growth. Um, I, I, one thing that I would mention is to note that all maturity, moving from one stage to another of our faith in our life, the gap between stage and one stage and the next is always filled with pain. And so restlessness is the kind of pain that's moving us from one place to another usually. So don't panic. The second would be inviting a, a person who I would call a safe third space person uh, sometimes that's someone who's outside of your tradition. Sometimes it's someone who is uh, out, definitely outside of your congregation. Um, unless you have a very significant and deep friendship within the congregation you serve, 
uh, I would not I would not confide this in somebody that's a part of your your community. Um, a spiritual director is a great person for that. Uh, as spiritual directors, our job is to hold these spaces that are non-anxious spaces. We're not there to fix anything or to work a program or to hurry through a checklist. Uh, we're there to listen to what God is up to in the midst of that restlessness. And so enlisting the help of a spiritual director, um, someone who can walk alongside you in the midst of that. And the other would be, uh, I think, a practice of praying the Lord's Prayer is a helpful one, a stabilizing one that allows us to, to find out what question is most bothering us at that moment, which which of these resonates with us most. So a lot of times I'll lead people through a practice uh, called Lectio Divina, and we'll read through and I'll ask um, what what particular phrase stood out to you from this reading of scripture and from the Lord's Prayer, which of the phrases had the most life, was electric, was sort of crackled to the front of your mind. Uh, that's typically a good sign of where that restlessness is coming from. Um, I wouldn't try and uh, teach on it. Um, I wouldn't try and bring it into any anything that you're leading through or working through until you have a sense of what it is. Uh, in our house, we talk a lot about we don't we don't share things publicly from a place of our wounds, but mm -hmm. from a place of scars. Um, so where we've had some healing happen, we've had some time. Uh, so that we have a better understanding of what's going on. So I think that would probably be uh, the first couple moves I would make. Um, and hope, and a, a good spiritual director is going to tell you the one thing that you don't want to hear, which is, uh, this is most definitely a marathon. Uh, so that restlessness is not going to end quickly. Uh, probably not going to end quickly. So being able to stay with it and remain in that space uh, is going to be helpful. So having someone who walks with you will help with that as well. I love that communion with God and then community um, in the midst of all of that. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, so do you, as we're finishing up here, do you have any, um, a reading or a reflection that you would like to share with us? Yeah, I do. This is, this is a piece from early on in the book. And, and I think this hopefully for your listeners and maybe for me too, you know, I wrote this a long time ago. I'd actually like to know what's in the, I should read the book again before it comes out just so I know, <laughs> I know what's going on. Uh, but I think this, this gets at the heart of the, there's a bit of tension in us as we think about restlessness. And so I think, I think this will help with that a little bit. And it's a subheading in the, one of the first chapters uh, where it's called, you can't go home and you can't stay here. And it begins with a quote. It seems that we are born with a memory in our hearts of where we've been and consciousness of where we're going. It's from the writer Joan Chittister. Nothing else satisfies along the way. I agree, mostly. In many of my restless seasons, however, I haven't had that clear consciousness of where I'm headed. The way ahead appeared, but it was gray and clouded. At that point, the restlessness that unsettles us at the core presses us firmly into our present tense realities, and we cannot move. We feel paralyzed. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David cries out in Psalm 22.1. But buried in this phrase is both the memory of an unforsaken life 
and the anguish of not knowing what this new forsakenness means. David is crying from a place between a life once unforsaken and the place where the divine returns to him again. He is cemented in the present, restless present tense, and the cry rises from a sweet memory of being cared for, and now, in the absence of that, the way forward is clouded and obscure. The moment in front of him, or in our case, the suffering, the loneliness, the lost feeling of joblessness or fading health, is the focus of forsakenness. Even even Jesus expresses this longing, this desperation, as he quotes David's cry while in the present tense suffering of a Roman cross. When we are in the throes of restlessness, our cries to the divine are built primarily on a fixed space within the present, the hard edges of life right before our eyes. We cannot go back to the time before we heard, I'm not sure this marriage is going to work out, or I'm sorry, she didn't make it. But we also have no idea what comes next. And so we stand in line at the grocery store, our feet like concrete pilings driven through the cheap linoleum. We don't see others around us, and we can't focus on the tabloids or 35 brands of wintergreen mints. Bartender's message, amended a bit, keeps running through our minds. You can't go home but you can't stay here. So in those restless moments, where do we go and what do we do? And that's the focus of the rest of the book. I love that. Mm. Yeah, boy, that's good stuff, Casey. Mm-hmm. I love it by the way that you uh, you said, I may have to go back and reread this. <laughs> As an author, you sometimes maybe forget <laughs> some of the things you said. You said, that's pretty good. I had uh, it's somebody wonderful. come back and go ahead. It's great to be on podcasts because people will say, well, you said in the book. And I was like, really? Did I say that? I guess I did. <laughs> I have people come up to me and say, you said two weeks ago in a sermon. And I'll say, well, I may have to go back and listen to that. Did I say that? <laughs> I don't oh, think I said I think you heard that. I don't think I said that. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was talking through you. You didn't even know what you were saying. <laughs> That's right. That's oh, right. well, Casey, it has been great to have you with us and to have this conversation and to, to hear your responses to kind of the questions we've thrown your way. Uh, we're going to have some fun in just a moment before we get away, though. We're going to shift gears just a bit um, and, and go into a lightning round. But again, for our listeners, I want to remind them that the book is The Gift of Restlessness, A Spirituality of Unsettled Seasons. Broadleaf Books uh, published it, and you can go uh, on Amazon or to other booksellers, look for Casey Tigret, T-Y-G-R-E-T-T, and pick up a copy. That, that book will minister to your soul mm-hmm. well. We want to shift gears just a little bit. We, we do a lightning round now here on uh, Common Ground. I don't know if we did this when you were first a guest. I don't think um, so. I'm so excited. All right. We're going to pepper you with some questions. I'll ask the first, <laughs> then Catherine will throw in your way. And then, you know, if you freeze up, just tell us to move on, but I don't okay. Think you... All right. So All right. let's start our lightning round. Who is a well-known person who inspires you and why? Uh, Henry Nowen has been always a constant inspiration for me. Just being able to be clear and concise, but also powerful uh, in talking about the spiritual life. So definitely him. Okay. Uh, Texas or California? That's California. Kevin. 
California. <laughs> sorry. So, so oh, sorry, Catherine. Sorry, Catherine. California. She's yeah. regretting she asked that one now. You must have not been to Austin before. I'm just going to say that. You've never been to Austin, so you don't I've know. never been to Austin, so that's well, that go. could be it. <laughs> All right. Summer or winter? Uh, summer, definitely. I live in Illinois. It's always going to be summer. <laughs> <laughs> Always going to be summer. Always going to be California. Um, what subject in school did you like the least? Math, 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 and any forms of so not just like arithmetic and algebra, but geometry. No, all all of it. No, no. I'm glad there are people who are good at it. Those people are not me. I am not a math person <laughs> whatsoever. But what did what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, don't worry about as much as you think you should Uh, have a very short list of things that matter most. Uh, it took me until I turned 40 to actually get that down, but there are really, there are really so, so many things that are, you can really lose your life worrying about. And I think Jesus said that, right? You can worry about all those things, but you can't add an hour to your life, but having Mm -hmm. a trimmed list of the things that matter most. Okay, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be? Uh, Northern Ireland. Oh, yeah! Wow, Northern Ireland. Um, Northern Ireland, or I would, I would also be able to be talked into maybe somewhere in the Caribbean. I was going to say Northern Ireland doesn't match up with your love of summer. No, it's more all. my there. Those are my those are my people. My my family uh, goes all the way back okay. to Northern Ireland, so I, <laughs> I feel like a kinship with the Celts and. Uh, and even though it's rainy and windy and all that good stuff, it's uh, it's a place where my soul feels oh, at home. That's awesome. That's awesome. It, do you have a go-to hobby? Uh, golf. Yeah. Yeah. It's both a relational thing for my father-in-law, um, but it's also something that I can still do even as I uh, lose my ability to be athletic in certain ways over time. This is a kind of more serious question, but how would you define success? at this time of your life? Uh, success, I, I think, is the way that you express. Success happens when you're fully, ex- fully expressing the things that God has put in you to love most. Um, so when you're, when you're fully doing that, regardless of the outcomes, uh, regardless of whether there's numerical measurements or anything like that, but when you are fully expressing the things that God has put in you to love the most, that to me is success. Mm. Are you a sunrise or sunset person? Oh, I'd love to just say sunset, but I'm usually up so early. I do love a good sunrise. I like them both, but I feel like I'm present for more for more sunrises than sunsets. <laughs> so, uh, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, cookies and cream. Mm. Yes, specifically Baskin Robbins, but I'll go. I'll go for anybody's. I'll give every, anybody's a shot. <laughs> You're indiscriminate when it comes to brand. Huh? <laughs> That's right. All right. Here's a very profound one to kind of end this with. What food do you strongly dislike? <laughs> strongly dislike? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would say I strongly dislike it, but I find myself wanting to eat it less than anything else. But shrimp. I'm not a huge shrimp guy. So if I'm going to pass on something, it's probably going to be that. Casey, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? 
other than just, I, I'm so glad that they took time to listen to a podcast. Um, I feel like there's so much value in podcasting in what you all do um, in this conversation. And so I'm, I'm really glad that you, whether you're on a treadmill or in the car or you've done this in six pieces as your kids have napped and not napped, uh, what, however you've done this, thanks for taking the time to do that. And um, I just I just hope that the work we're all doing can be a gift to you. Well, Casey, what what a blessing to have you on here with us today. Uh, just uh, you're dealing with things that you know I find in my own life, and you've given some good paths forward and some good thoughtful ways to handle restlessness. And boy, God can really work in the midst of that restlessness. And um, we're appreciative and look forward to uh, having you come back with us sometime in the future. We hope you'll do that. We're thankful for your friendship with Common Grounds Unity. Um, want to say to our listeners, uh, hey, be sure to like this podcast on the platform you're listening to it on. Tell your friends about it. Um, if you're not subscribed to our monthly digital newsletter, there are a lot of good essays and folks writing for Common Grounds Unities, uh, Unity. Our videos on our YouTube channel, that, that list is growing uh, with some good uh, things to be watching. Uh, we've got book reviews and all sorts of things at commongroundunity.com or I'm sorry, commongroundunity.org. Um, that's a critical last piece, .org. So we hope you'll check out some of the other things we're offering in Common Grounds Unity. Catherine, so good to have you with us co-hosting today. Did you Thanks enjoy the experience? Me. Yes, it was fun. Hadn't this been fun? And, and great yeah. to have a great guest like Casey. Yes, it was awesome. Absolutely. Very good to meet How, you. How's everything in Austin? It is so well? rainy and so cold. Is it? So I feel sad about that today, but. Well, maybe by the time <laughs> this drops, it'll be a nice sunny spring day. Can you define? It was so yesterday. Catherine, was can you like, define cold okay, for us? Okay, I'm sorry. It's 55. <laughs> <laughs> but it's raining. Yeah, 55 doesn't wash with you as cold, does it, Casey? <laughs> it's, you know, it's 51 today and I'm, I'm seriously considering whether or not to wear shorts. So that's, <laughs> the world is a different odd place. It is. Yeah, but yesterday uh, it was 75 and sunny here. So this feels terrible. That I, I can in see. Texas. You just got to wait a day and the weather's different <laughs> the next day. You get variety. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> well, everybody, uh, we're so grateful to have you with us. We'll be back again for another podcast in just a couple of weeks. Let me encourage you um, to be looking for our uh, subscription, uh, part of this particular ministry, because there is going to be a second cup with Casey Tigret, where you can hear a little bit more as we talk about restlessness and our walk with God. So we hope you'll be looking for that as well at our website. Join us again for our next podcast. We look forward to being with you again. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax deductible. 
Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.